A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. It is the Tennis Podcast brought to you the day after one of the most extraordinary Davis Cup ties, let alone Davis Cup finals of all time. Argentina came back from two rubbers to one down, the first time that's been done in a final, to beat a heartbroken Croatian team by three rubbers to two. And of course, all of the headlines are going to a certain Mr. Juan Martín del Potro, who picked a pretty good time to come back from two sets to love down for the first time in his career to beat Marin Cilic in the uh, all-important fourth rubber. That was the Davis Cup final by BNP Paribas. David Law and I are here to pick the bones out of it. David, it's another one. It's another one of those moments from this 2016 tennis year that's quite difficult to sum up in words isn't it it is but given that this is a tennis podcast and uh, we're reliant upon words I, I suppose i better try and come up with something first of all i mean definitely another magical moment in 2016 and there have been so many it has got to be one of the all-time great years we're going to have our awards uh, show as part of this edition of the tennis podcast so we'll be trying to trying to review 2016 as part of it as well but first of all Catherine gotta say you're on a bit of a roll you're on a bit of a roll. This is two weeks in a row where you've got it right and I've got it wrong. Uh, first of all, the 0-2, you got all the the various scenarios right, picked the winner of the tournament. I, <laughs> I went with Marin Cilic and, uh, and I backed him up again and he's let me down again. So I'll be having some stern words with Marin Cilic when I see him. Uh, in I don't the think he needs your stern words, David. I no, think maybe he that's, feels uh, sick I, enough I, about it all. I perhaps get greeted by a, a right hook if I try that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have to say, I was, I was pretty much composing my victory speech for the podcast during that fourth rubber between him and Del Potro because he came out playing so well Chilic Del Potro looked a little bit heavy legged then he came up with the through the legs lob winner early in the third set that seemed to galvanize him but well how can you deny the guy who cares whether I end up losing out in the uh, the predictions poll well, I do care. Yeah, that, that's but, a mere footnote in but, all but of the articles that, today, David. I will swallow my pride sufficiently to, to note that Juan Martín del Potro could not be a more deserving winner on a winning team. And Argentina, who've been searching for a Davis Cup victory for the best part of 100 years, they've never won it, they've been in four finals. You can't deny them. And they did it all 
away from home. All four matches away from home. I, I find that just mind-blowing. I, I'm, I'm so impressed with that team. There were moments when it didn't feel away from home, though, weren't there? I mean, the Argentine travelling support is incredible, and that's not to detract at all from the Croatian home support because that was magnificent in itself. But there were moments, particularly yesterday, when it felt like a home Argentine crowd, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, I I don't really think I've seen an away following quite like that. I thought Britain were fantastic last year. That was the first Davis Cup final that I've attended in person uh, when when Britain faced Belgium, and I think that they they had a great following. But the Argentina crowd just they they throw themselves into it with such gusto. And Diego Maradona was in the crowd doing his his now. Um, omnipresent act of, of following his his nation with with all the gusto he could manage and i just i just thought that the whole occasion was magical i, I loved the way when you looked into the crowd you saw a mixture of argentine and croatian shirts and they, they were intermingling and and yes i mean it was boisterous it was loud it was passionate but it wasn't unpleasant i didn't think i mean I thought the, the the fourth rubber was in danger of bubbling over a little. But but I just think it was one of the great Davis Cup ties. Oh, without question. I mean if not the greatest that that I've that I've personally witnessed. I mean obviously my my uh tennis history uh in terms of personal experience dates back less far than your da- yours David. But uh yeah, it's probably all the right, best that I've, right. uh, I've that. witnessed. It's pure mathematics, David. You can't argue with that. There there was a real um authenticity to this support on both sides but obviously particular focus on the Argentine side you really looking at them and the way they were living and breathing every point you really felt like their entire happiness depended on the result of these tennis matches now the atmosphere last year was incredible and I think it was an introduction for a lot of British tennis fans to the Davis Cup we've sort of been told not to take too much notice really or or um we felt like we oughtn't to take too much notice over the past 10 to 15 years because what we see isn't particularly great and and i think it was entirely authentic the support in terms of people really did care and um it you know it was this awakening to the competition but looking at those Argentinian fans I can't honestly say that there are any other fans in the world that live and die by every single point the way they do I mean you really did feel like their very being and happiness depended on the outcome of that Davis Cup final yesterday that that's I mean obviously at some point they would have got over it at some point the Croatian fans will get over it at some point Marin Cilic will get over it David I don't know when that point will be. Do you fear for him after this, after what happened to him yesterday? No, I don't. I think he's one of the more realistic human beings on the tennis circuit. I think he's somebody who who will come to terms with what happened. It's a sporting contest. He played really well. I think I felt, I didn't really feel like he tossed it away. I felt like he had it wrestled from his grasp by Del Potro it felt like there was a force with Del Potro all year long and that this was was the only way that the year was ever going to end and and maybe that's just um maybe that's a silly silly outcome to to have in my view from from me 
and I don't know whether 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 anybody believes in that kind of thing, but it, it felt like it was it was the right thing to happen in many ways, given all the struggles that this guy has has had to deal with. I, I think Chilich will will be fine. I think he will go into the off season and be very proud of what he's done because he has has had a fabulous season, and he's knocked on the door on a couple of major times. I think that this victory was more important for Del Potro than anybody else there, and. You know, I, I I felt last night. It almost doesn't matter what else happens in his career now. I hope he goes on and has more successes in his life because he's he's a great guy. But he's done this. He's done something so important for himself and for his country that he's been vindicated. His whole career has been has been given back to him in that one year in that one moment and uh i find it truly uplifting absolutely and just to give both you and i a moment to uh, to dab the uh, the tears from our eyes after that david uh, let's hear from del potro and hear how he did it well i don't know how how i come back in this match i play really smart in <laughs> in the important moments and i think we were fighting every time and the uh, crowd really enjoyed the match it's tough to me to, to say something but I did my best playing with this colors and it's amazing so that is a very very emotional Juan Martín del Potro he was actually crying uh, throughout that interview conducted by Craig Gabriel in the immediate aftermath of that incredible comeback victory over Marin Cilic for which there are barely words um, and of course that is the the match the rubber that will grab the headlines and rightly so it's the rubber that will be remembered but how about the fifth and final rubber David Ivo Karlovic Federico Del Bonis I was expecting more from Ivo Karlovic how do you explain what we saw out there Mainly by the, the performance of Del Bonis. And, and uh, maybe I'm being going to be overkind to, to Karlovic. I don't think he did too much wrong. I mean, this guy's 20 in the world. He's got the, one of the best serves we've ever seen. And Del Bonis suddenly started to read it and, and was just dealing with it, putting it at his ankles time after time after time. And, and he, we'll hear from Daniel Orsanic, the, the the Argentine coach in a second, just about the performance uh, of his whole team. And, and, and he particularly references Del Bonis. I, I thought, I mean, I haven't seen him play that much, but it was a little bit like watching Leonardo Meyer against Britain in the fifth rubber uh, in, in um, Glasgow. Just the way he was able to elevate his standard level to to a level that is 20 and above, top 10 maybe. And... I, th- I mean, come at the hour. That was that was what we found from Del Bonis, and I loved the way that they did it away from home. It was it was as though that liberated them almost. I know, you, you, as you mentioned, amazing crowd support from the Argent for the Argentine team, but to do it away from home in a way, I think, reduced the stress levels on the on the fifth rubber player, and they were playing out of their skins. Yeah, it, 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 the performance of Del Bonis made me think that maybe everything we were saying about Leo Meyer after the uh, semi-final against GB and we were saying cometh the hour, cometh the man then, maybe it's not a Leo Meyer thing, maybe it's an Argentine thing and it really was an incredible all-round team performance and, and understandably... And Orsanic deserves huge credit exactly, for that as well. Exactly, uh, understandably Orsanic, a very, very proud man after that. The guys were amazing today. 
Juan Martín won an incredible match. His comeback is the comeback of the history. His comeback today was also the comeback of the Davis Cup. He's a genius. His heart is so big. And Fede played the best match of his life. He was on top of every ball. He played a perfect match. Perfect match. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised in a good way. I thought he couldn't win so, so easy. It's a privilege to be with this group. It's a privilege to be in a place where you can send a message to the people and trying to, to make things better. So that is Argentine team captain Daniel Osanic, probably the proudest man in tennis, if not sport, if not the world at the moment. And uh, we're going to do our end of season awards at the end of this show. And I'm sure there'll be a few shouts for him as coach of the year, but I won't do any spoilers just yet. But certainly uh, he's undoubtedly on the shortlist. How, but it's something we debated after the final last year, isn't it, David? After every sort of big blockbuster Davis Cup or Fed Cup tie, how big a role does the coach play? Obviously, there's the team selection and all of that. But in terms of during the matches, how much of a role do you think Orsanic played yesterday in the comeback of Juan Martín del Potro, for example? I, it's so difficult to, to put your finger on. I, I, I would always want to give the benefit of the doubt and say that they have a significant impact. Um, certainly a guy like Orsanic, who, who I know a little bit and have always thought is a really, really decent guy uh, as a human being. But also his selections were were surprising at times. We, we were surprised that it wasn't Meyer in the singles for a starter. Um, and, and let's not forget Del Bonis took Chilic to five sets. So, you know, it wasn't a one-off this match. He picked Meyer in that semi-final when we really weren't expecting that as a fifth rubber. Certainly, I mean, the, the, the assumption was that, that Del Potro would play both singles rubbers and, and that didn't happen and they got the win. You, you know, that, there's your evidence right there. Now, it may be circumstantial, but... That to me is is a sign of how capable he is and how much he brings to the table. Del Potro is just is just a great player, and I I, I imagine that when you are two sets to love down and you've never and that's the other thing he's never won from two sets to love down before. I think you have to say well maybe Orsanic had a had an impact there um, as as well, but. He's obviously doing something right, isn't he? And uh, just one of the great stories for, for, for I mean, uh, you do feel for, for Chilich in Croatia, though. Two sets to love up, two rubbers to one up, and they didn't win. How? Yeah, you, you could have, you know, forgiven the engraver for start, starting to write Croatia on the trophy, couldn't you? I mean, it really, it seemed like that was the only outcome at that moment. It really was amazing. And even after Del Potro performed that incredible come back Croatia was still the favorites to go on and win it Karlovic was very much still the favorite to win that fifth rubber and and this is tough to listen to really because we've got some audio from Ivo Karlovic and obviously a very very tough moment in his long career it's a hard loss uh, not only uh, for me but you know for the whole team um, we were Really close to win. Uh, Martin had the opportunities, uh, and um, but you know this is life. This is tennis, and uh, right now it's really hard. But uh, I mean, there's always 
tomorrow and uh, tomorrow will all be a little bit better. I mean, that's for sure. Right now it's difficult, yeah. In the beginning of, of the match, I I was doing well. I had uh, opportunities on his serve. Um, I had a break point. I didn't use it. And uh, after that, he began to return unbelievable, just unbelievable. Um, I don't know what to say uh, other than to to congratulate him and the Argentinian team. So that's Ivo Ivo Karlovic. I'd agree with you, David, that he didn't do masses wrong. He is a guy with, I think he'd probably be the first to admit, a pretty one-dimensional game in that there's no plan B, is there? There's no plan C. If his serve is being neutralised, there's not an awful lot he could do. And the way Del Bonis was reading his serve, it was like he was possessed. It was like he had, uh, you know, an ethereal voice whispering in his ear, telling him which way Karlovic was going to serve. I've not seen the Karlovic serve neutralised in that way. I've seen it sort of blocked back brilliantly by Federer. and, And, you know, obviously Andy Murray's dealt with it very well a couple of times. I remember at Wimbledon a couple of years ago, but still, I've never seen a man possessed in the way that Darbonis was yesterday. I'm loath to do this, David, because it's oh, you're gonna not do really pole my vault, style. Catherine? No, I'm not. But if pole vault has taught us anything, it's that you love pointless hypothetical speculation about things. So I ask you, question one, had Borna Chorich been fit, would the outcome of this Davis Cup final have been any different? Well, first of all, I'm hurt. Uh, second of all, um, let's do a pole vault and find it. No, all right, let's, uh, let's not do one. For the, this is a this, pole vault. It's a pole vault of one person. Okay. So, I'm polling one had individual. Had Borna been in the team, would it have made a difference, is, is the question you're asking. To the overall Crikey, outcome. That is a yeah. tough one, isn't it? Oh, you know, I really do want to ask that. I am definitely asking that after this podcast is complete. Uh, but anyway, my opinion, I just don't know. I mean, the, no, you, you God, could da- not get... David, Wait a minute, no, I haven't finished that's yet. The whole, I mean, that's the answer to every pole vault ever. No one knows. I'm not letting you get away with that. And that's the no beauty way. of it, Catherine Whittaker. Uh, look, uh, first of all, let me just put my case forward here. For a start, you've got one bloke who's six foot 11. You've got another bloke who's about five foot nine. I'm uh, aware of the vital statistics, David. This isn't getting us any closer. I'm trying to talk my way into an answer here because I really don't know what the answer is. Would Borna Charich have made a difference in that match? He would have played Del Bonis and then he would have played. No, he would have played first of all Del Potro and Nel. He wouldn't have beaten Del Potro. I don't think so. Del Bonis, no, I don't think he would have beaten them. I don't think he would have done. Uh, and and I, you know, I think it it would feel wrong to say that he would because I really I'm not I'm not convinced he would. And it no, it would feel I mean, churlish I think really, almost to say he would uh, have Victor Skugel should have been put in for both singles rubbers. That would really made the difference. That you might was, want to get his name right for a start, w- Catherine. Franco. Franco Skugel. I mean, oh, I'm gee, so, I'm, you know, v- you two are v- supposed Victor's to be best mates. Young, Victor's the younger brother, sorry. Uh, yeah, Franco Skugel, my fave. Yeah, had he played, you know, both singles and doubles, I really think we could be seeing Croatia's name on the trophy today. But anyway, a second pointless hypothetical question for you, David. Oh, pole had that, court, by had that po- court been a little bit faster, 
as the Croatians had wanted, would the result have been different? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't because the the aces were coming thick and fast. Cilic served over 30 aces. Karlovic served plenty. I I don't think so. I, I may be wrong. And Goran Ivanisevic may look at, look at it and say, well, you put that on the court I used to play on, uh, the carpet court, which was grease lightning. Maybe it would have been different. I don't think so. I, I just feel as though the game has changed in as much as the strings allow the returns. If you're really on, I think you can get hold of the ball a bit better and and Delbonis used that perfectly. I, I think anybody who suggests any sort of, oh, if this or if that, it feels churlish to me. Right then, I'll take that. That was a uh, properly decisive answer. I'll uh, Yeah, I'll accept that. Well what done. do you think, Catherine? Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you on both points, actually. I don't think either thing, either factor would have made a decisive difference. They could have done, but I think on balance, probably not. It did feel, I mean, I know this is ridiculous romantic rhetoric, but it did just feel like that was how it was going to (laughs) be, regardless of any logic or any, you know, practical factors. That was just how it was going to be and the fact that Croatia went 2-1 up and the fact that Cilic went two sets to love up was almost just a way of making it more romantic for Argentina's eventual victory you know the Croatian team were just victims of uh, of cruel fate I mean I don't believe in fate but that's certainly how it it feels and it seems and um, who who apart from Croatian people can possibly deny this of Del Potro and Orsanic and, and Del Bonis and all of Argentina really because it, it's been earned over the years. It's been earned since nineteen eighty one, hasn't it? So uh yeah, it's uh it, it was an uplifting day for tennis for everybody but the Croatians. How 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 was the response in your household, David? Uh, well, we actually only got through the fourth rubber, uh, my kids and I, and uh, because we who were they went, supporting? It went on pretty late. Uh, we were all—I mean, they were all supporting uh, Chilich because they're all half Croatian. Uh, so that—that uh, that was what was going on in our household. But uh, when that didn't happen, off to bed they went, um, and I and I sort of watched in my lonesome. But no, it was. Um, the th- the thing is, I just felt torn because uh, yes, I do have a, a little bit of um, a Croatian uh, uh, favoritism because of my family situation, but also fluent fluent Croatian speaker, aren't you, David? Da. That's where you get your linguistic skills from. Da. All those all those on point pronunciations. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, so um, that that's my Croatian spoken for the day on the tennis podcast. And uh, yeah, it was um, it, at the same time though. You know, you're watching Del Potter and you're thinking, how can you not want this guy to to, to succeed? It, it was it was one of those. So uh, I, I I'm a glasses half full kind of person. So you know, great news all round. I would say overall. And if you are in need of a pick me up uh, on this Monday, or you could be listening to it any any day. But if you're if you're hot off the mark then you'll be listening to it on monday then do uh check out the video of the argentine team uh making their way into the uh post tie press conference when they're all singing and dancing it is very very uplifting and if you watch that it's pretty hard to begrudge them any of that joy now then david that is pretty much 
the uh, 2016 tennis season done and dusted, isn't it? And uh, the 2018 tennis season is uh, about three weeks away because that is uh, the nature of the off-season in tennis. It pretty much doesn't exist. But Did you just uh, say 2018? Did I? Yeah, blimey. Just skip a year. What happens <laughs> next year, Catherine? What happens in 2017? I'm not into uh, odd numbers. Uh, yeah, no, we will, we'll, we, will, we will do 2017 if we must. Um, yes, it is but three weeks away and uh, we are going to have a bit of time off, but uh, this is one of the last tennis podcasts of the 2016 tennis season. So we'd probably better do our end of season awards, hadn't we? Because they Crack were a bit of me. a hit last year, weren't they? Well, yeah, but not because of us. No, we had Alan Mills on last year. I'm disappointed to inform the listeners that we don't have Alan Mills this year. It's just me and David. Can we I'm have afraid. Rosie? She around? <laughs> She's not here. Oh, oh no, the disappointment that I she can't... ditched us. Gone to an, gone to the ice skating podcast. No, but there's an idea. There's an idea. Every podcast needs needs a canine mascot. Right then. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Tennis Podcast End of Season Awards. I feel like this needs a jingle, David. Have you got a jingle? Nope. No jingle. Okay. Right then, I'll just have to give it some welly. The end of season awards. We have some categories. Some have been suggested by listeners. Some have been suggested by us. There's not a lot of science to it. It's purely our subjective opinions, but that basically is what the tennis podcast is all about, isn't it? And David doing some polling. Uh, so should we crack on? Sure. Right then, let's get straight down to the nitty-gritty, because first category I've got on my list, player of the season. Right, well, blokes and women, yeah? What, what? Two separate categories. Oh. <laughs> yes, those are the two uh, available genders. Um, okay. Oh, no, right. I've got an overall player of the season. Have you? Oh, I've yeah. got one of each. No, 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 that's a cop-out. We're doing overall. Well, I'll go first if you want. Go on then. Angelique Kerber. Andy Murray loves you. I mean, obviously, look, if there's a shortlist, Andy Murray's on it and he's he's a very, very close second. What but he Angelique went Kerber into the season world Murray? number two. It is more of a surprise that Angelique Kerber has won two Grand Slams and finished the year world number one. 
Hold on a minute. Andy Murray was 8,000 points behind Novak Djokovic six months ago. Yeah, it's still more of a surprise. If I asked you this time last year which of these scenarios is more likely, I still think you'd have said the Andy Murray scenario. So I'm going Angelique Kerber. Irritatingly, I actually agree with that final point because a, a year ago, before, I mean, it's, it's hard to remember a time when Angelique Kerber hadn't won a grand slam in a way. But if you go back a year, I mean, a year ago, a year ago, when she she played pretty poorly by her standards in the in the WTA finals, she was nowhere near winning that tournament, and um, and she came out a different woman at the start of the Australian Open. And let's not forget, she was match point down in the first round of the Australian Open against Misaki Doi. And that that is the one that I still don't think we talk about enough. Agreed. She was match point down. She ended up winning the tournament, winning the US Open, reaching the final of the Olympics and Wimbledon and finishing the world as world number one. I mean, it is mind-blowing. Th- so thanks if, if thanks it's one for player, making my point for yeah. me, David. That's no, great. I, look, I'm, sadly, I have to agree. So, I mean, I was going to go men, Andy Murray, women, Angelique Kerber. No, no, but if that's we've got too to have obvious. Just one you can't have one of each because that's I'm, just I'm, too I'm, obvious. Are you going to grant me the, the ability to at least choose the same person? Yes. Right, fine, I have. Right, this is going to get have to get more interesting, isn't it? We haven't We're got other meals to this, this year. People. Right, next, this could get more interesting. Heroes and villains of the season. This uh, suggestion sent in by uh, our dear friend of the show, Dave Levy, uh, who I think is getting married next week. So advance congratulations to Dave Levy. Um, well, he's my villain. <laughs> why is that? Well, just generally. Uh, well, he for a start, Watford playing West Brom yeah. next week, I think. So, um, you know, I'm not going to have any favours with him next week. Okie doke. In in terms of tennis, David, I'd hate to have to rename oh. the podcast. In terms of All tennis, right, well, what you got? Heroes, uh, Juan Martín del Potro, um, who I just think is the ultimate hero of the year. Yeah. Uh, villains, Maria Sharapova for failing a... A doping test, yeah, um, and Nick Kyrgios for and, and being this a plonker. Is probably pretty severe for me because as you, as anybody who listens to the show knows, I love the guy. I love we watching know. him. I forgive him way too much, probably. Um, but what he did in Shanghai was was unforgivable. And the the only thing I would hope is that that what the action that has been taken will lead to him not doing that again and getting back to what I love about him, which is just about everything else. Um, but yeah, that, that to me was, uh, was a real low point of the year. Sharapova was a low point of the year in many ways. Um, so those are my two villains. I can't argue with any of that. I've got different answers, but uh, uh, this is probably a category that's purely subjective. There's no, there's no right or wrong. But uh, here, uh, villains, I've got Ray Moore, a former tournament director of Indian Wells, who said that Women tennis players should be down on their knees thanking men because they've been riding on their coattails for years. And I won't repeat all the rest of the stuff he said, but um, he lost his job and that's the end of that. And hopefully we'll never hear those sort of things expressed ever again. And my hero is everyone that said sensible things uh, in opposition of that viewpoint. And in particular, Serena Williams, who said pretty pithily, no woman should be down on her knees thanking any man for anything. And I think uh, very well done, Serena, for being so unequivocal on that front. And also special mention on the villain front for um, that bloke I bought lunch for in Monte Carlo that never paid me back. Yeah, sorry about that, Catherine. I'll I'll, I'll remember next time. (laughs) No, I don't know. Did I ever mention it on the podcast? It was on my Twitter. It wasn't me, everybody. Before you start, I'm joking. It wasn't David, no. It wasn't me. It was a 
unnamed journalist that I bought lunch for because he didn't have any cash and it turned out to be a cash-only uh, sandwich vendor and he said he'd come and find me in the press room and he never did and I don't have very good facial recognition so I was unable to uh, identify him and uh, collar him and yeah, he never never paid me back so I'm still €10 Euros down for the year. Now then, shot of the season. Singular shot of the season. I'm going to get in there first with this one because I'm worried we've gone for the same one because it's very difficult to remember individual shots from 12 months ago. So I've gone for one that was hit yesterday (laughs) by (laughs) Juan Martín del Pocho. I've gone for the tweener lob, um, which not only was a a remarkable shot, a clean winner, but it also... um, if you're going to be really romantic about the narrative, pretty much sparked the greatest comeback in Davis Cup history. So that's what I've gone for. Yeah. See, there, there I, I was trying to search my mind for, for something that had some sort of romantic narrative to it, because even though often that is nonsense, it, it feels like that that's what one should should do. You should find a shot that meant something in the grand scheme of, of a match and then a tournament. But I can't think of one. I, I mean, uh, there are probably dozens that if if we were to go through various parts of the season, they would come back to me. But we, we've sort of knocked this together pretty hastily. And the one that really strikes me is is one from the WTA finals uh, last month, which was hit by Kerber. She was way out to her right after a lung-busting rally, I think, against Dominika Sibulkova. And she hit the most absurd angled backhand cross-court that hit the line that I, I remember commentating on it and just saying, she hasn't made that, has she? You know, it was just so absurd that, that, that it could have gone in that, um, that, that I struggled to believe it. So that's the one that stands out to me. It, you know, it didn't win her a title, but it, it kind of encapsulated her year, that feeling of she hasn't done that, has she? And an all-time great shot made better by, uh, though he says so himself, some all-time great commentary. <laughs> Pretty horrendous, <laughs> isn't it, to actually choose one of your commentary <laughs> yep. moments. But there we okay, go. then, moving swiftly on to spay your blushes, David. Breakthrough star. I'm not blushing. Breakthrough star of the year. Who you got? Oh, uh, breakthrough star. Oh, I've got three, four, five people. Am I allowed No, that? you haven't. You've got one person. Oh. oh, crikey. All right, then, well, I'll choose Naomi Osaka. Oh, Balls. I can't believe That's she used I've that word well. on this tennis podcast, everybody. I mean, can you believe that? Terrible. Yeah, it's a word that it, it's very much on my mind due to Ed Balls' exit from Strictly Come Dancing ah. last night, which I'm still reeling from. Right. The joy that we as a public have been deprived of. And uh, Don't get me started, David. I digress. Do you want to hear my, one of my other four? four? No, I don't. <laughs> well, yes, I do. Could you pick oh, another one so that I can have Naomi Osaka, please? Um, all right, then I'll have Daria Kasatkina. Okay. She didn't do anything big, though, did she? I mean, she's very, she's Naomi very Osaka good. Did. She reached the Why final. Am I talking myself out of my own choice. She reached the final in, in Tokyo. A couple of third rounds in Grand Slams. She's only 18. That's not bad, is it? Well, that hence why I went for her. Anyway, I also went for Alex Zverev and Dominic Team, but they kind of. Zverev feels kind of like a breakthrough. Team feels like most improved in a way on the bloke side and like big breakthrough into the top 10. Joe Conta, I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, I almost went for Joe Conta because, yes, although her first breakthrough came in the 2015 season, the fourth round of the US Open, reaching the top 10, and I persistently predicted that she wouldn't reach the top 10 this year. So, um, yeah, more fool me and uh, 
Yeah, but I have got, sorry, sorry, Joe, as great as that was, I have gone for Naomi Osaka. Coach of the year, who you got? Actually, no, do I get to go first on this one? I think I do. Yeah, go on. Uh, I've got Magnus Norman, which I know is is the same winner of the uh, ATP official um, Coach of the Year award. And I've got it because I boiled it down to what big achievements do I think wouldn't have happened without the influence of the coach? You know, I'd, I don't think Andy Murray would have achieved everything he has this year without Ivan Landl, but I think he would have achieved some big, great things. I don't think Stanford Vrinka would be a Grand Slam champion without Magnus Norman. I don't think he would have won this year's US Open without Magnus Norman. So that's why I've gone for Magnus Norman. But would you have thought that Angelique Kerber would be a Grand Slam champion without Torben Belts? <laughs> No, but I wouldn't have thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, contender, I've, I've definite won, I, contender. I can, I, can, I can feel Alan Mills nodding <laughs> along with me here, is what I can feel. Right, well, um, he's not so there to Tom verify that. Is, I mean, you know, for, from, for sort of overall piece of work of uh, constructed by a player over the course of the year, I mean, the woman's world number one, for goodness sake. So it's Torben Belt, so sorry, you, you lose that one. Um, meltdown of the year is next, isn't it? It is next, yeah. Well, Dimitrov in Istanbul's got to be the one, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. For, for You were going to go for a different one, weren't well, you? Well, no, I've interpreted the the, uh, the question slightly differently, David. I've gone for Novak Djokovic uh, because over the past six months, it's been sort of a slow motion meltdown, which I just never, ever thought that I would see from utter complete dominance and 14 to 1 odds to complete the calendar year golden slam to a guy that walked on the court against Andy Murray in the last match of the season fighting for the world number one spot saying there was never a moment in that match when he thought he could win that for me considering the peak that he was at is is a meltdown that's good Catherine but Dimitrov so annoyed with how it was going having served for the match against Diego Schwartzman and not managed to win trashed every racket in his bag and then walked up and shook hands two points before the end. Yeah, he effectively I mean, defaulted on. a final. Yeah, anyway. He, so he, that's fa- he defaulted a final. Yeah, it, it, for, I think both those answers are completely valid. They're just interpreting the question in different ways. Moving on, story of the season. I rather suspect we've gone for the same answer here. But then you've already picked, you've already got, you've, I've gone for Del Potro as an overall. I've gone for Andy Murray world number one. I think it's extraordinary that Andy Murray is world number one. Not only because I really wondered whether he ever would be. Uh, I thought maybe he would be early next year. But secondly, because of how far behind he was. To overhaul Djokovic. And no, he, he's had some help. Not not least because of the, the factors you've, you've just mentioned with meltdown of the year. But... Murray finishing world number one, I think, is a wonderful story. It is a wonderful story. I've gone for Del Potro just because... You're an old romantic, I'm an old romantic, yeah. And uh, all the elements of it, the Olympics, you know, seeing him cry. I mean, if if Murray had cried at any stage, I, I might agree with you, but... Uh, I mean, you know, Andy Murray has done his fair share of crying over the last five years, he has, and but not suddenly in he misses out on the big, the big award because he didn't cry. Yes, yeah, this, you know, it's, t- it's a tough, tough award ceremony. Uh, next scandal of the season, I've got Sharapova. 
Same here. Yeah, yeah. there we go. I mean, there was a, there's been a few, there's haven't there? There's been I mean, a few, you know, yeah. There were a lot but, of contenders. I mean, that, that, that was the, sh- the biggest shock in terms of, of surprising news stories. I mean, that when I when I consider how many of us were, were trying to predict what her big announcement well, was going to be, well, and we, nobody came up with that. We recorded a podcast section on her retirement in anticipation of that being the big announcement that she uh, she had um, telegraphed in advance. So yeah, that was an enormous scandal. You know our thoughts on it and her subsequent reactions to the various developments. We won't go into them again. I think probably um, that, uh, that is enough said on that front. Best interview or press conference of the season, well, I've, David. Well, I've actually Have gone, gone for, for one of some, your own? <laughs> I've gone for Johanna Conter chasing dreams. Oh which my was God, on he has gone for one BT of his Sport own. BT Sport. Oh my uh, God. So, no, I haven't, I haven't really. I haven't really, but, uh, but you know. Oh gosh, I thought you were being uh, serious so, there. No, yeah, wow. Uh, I was writing for, my uh, resignation I've, letter to the podcast. <laughs> I've gone for Elena Vesnina at Wimbledon after she reached the semi-finals and she did a press conference after that that was, it was pretty long, but you just did not notice the time going it was only when you got the transcript afterwards and the number of pages that it ran to that you just you just i mean it would be between that and the similarly delirious victory speech of angelique kerber straight after winning the australian open those moments where you just see the you lift in the lid on somebody's personality and they're not they're not got any filter there they're just showing you who they are and it was lovely uh, well, speaking of no filter, I've gone for Dan Evans at the US Open, uh, <laughs> when, which could probably be any interview Dan Evans did at the US Open, but um, or ever. Especially one done I by me. I have gone for the one where he was asked whether his parents were here and he said no. And he was asked whether his parents were watching at home and he said no. He said his dad might be, but his mum has never watched him play tennis. And he went, well, I'm not bothered. I, I'm not that interested in what she does either. And uh, then he was asked, well, what does she do? You know, expecting sort of, you know, I don't know, toilet cleaner or something. Uh, She's a nurse, he replied. (laughs) Obviously, completely unworthy, uninteresting profession. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Moving on. Disappointment of the season. What you got? Roger Federer's injury. Oh, so have I. I should have gone first. It was my turn to go first as well. I'm doing this all wrong. What's your backup choice? I did, didn't have one, David. No, we're not allowed backup choices. All right. Well, I haven't got one either, so there we are. Um, yeah, uh, six months into the year, not to see the best of him. Not, not to see him how at many, the Olympics. Not knowing, yeah, exactly. Not knowing how many more times we will get to see him. It, yeah, it was, it was a tough one to take, but he seems up for it. He seems up for the comeback. Okay, shock or surprise of the season? I'd say in terms of, is it my go first? Well, it seems, that's, that's how this seems to be going. I'm confident. You, we, you go first. I'm letting Fine, you, you go, go first because I'm confident we haven't got the same one here. All right. Well, I've, I've sort of got the Sharap over drugs test as the biggest surprise and shock of the season. But, but on court action, Monica Puig winning the Olympics. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. I haven't got that. And, and she, she probably deserves a better mention in one or two of the other categories as well. I mean, that was a fabulous story. Yes, well, okay, so I have gone for Zhang Shui at the Australian Open and she and I've gone for it here. Perhaps shock or surprise isn't quite the right she she deserves an award in this end of year awards. And I've gone for her because it was just the most wonderful story and because it was right at the beginning of the season. I don't think 
it's being remembered in with quite the significance that it should be because she had never because won. Monica Puig was she such a much better one. She had never won why. a Grand Slam match, David, and she reached the quarterfinals. She was going to quit the sport. Her parents came to watch her at a Grand Slam for the very first time because. It was going to be her last one. and Monica Puig won the Olympics. I know, I know. Monica Puig's great, don't get me wrong. But come on, you know how much I love it when people win when their parents are watching. <laughs> I am such a... What, you're trying to tell me that Monica Puig's parents weren't watching her win Olympic gold? I know, I know. But she didn't talk about the fact that her parents were watching. I'm a real sucker for that. And there's so many lovely elements to the story. Maybe she should have got story for the of the year. I don't know. So many lovely elements. She said... Um, that her countrywoman uh, Zheng Zhi is always, she said she always played well at the Australian Open and this was the year she didn't come to the Australian Open because she was injured and, sh- and Zhang Shui used her lucky locker and she she specifically asked for that locker because her friend Zheng Zhi told her that it was always lucky for her and it was lucky for her this year and it was just great, wasn't it? And 14 Grand Slams without a single win. Come on, that's pretty good. I mean, that's not good. The fact that she then reached the quarterfinals was pretty good. Well, I, I don't agree with the words you've just said, but but it was it was quite a fabulous answer. So I enjoyed it immensely. Okay, doke. Um, favorite tennis podcast of the season, David. I did not come up with this category. <laughs> yeah, which 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 of our work do you think was the best? When we launched Pole Vault. You don't really mean that. Of course, I mean that. And when it gave rise to your meltdown about it a couple of weeks back, that was funny. Well, I've gone for another sort of meltdown episode. I've gone for for the one where you recorded my aggro with the bus driver in New York because it, it is indelible uh, evidence of my moral victory in that scenario, which was very important. That, do, that does deserve to be, to be remarked upon. I agree. Fair enough. Okay, then. Last category. I should have a jingle, jingle for this as well, but alas. Uh, biggest single achievement in tennis of 2016. Del Potro's comeback. Really? From where he was. From where, where he was. Yeah. Well, I've gone for Murray, world number one. But I guess there's some, you know, I went for Delpo story of the season. And, you know, I suppose there are lots of categories that I guess the answers could have been a little bit interchangeable. But yes, I don't I don't think we're disagreeing on the significance of both the Murray number one and the Del Potro comeback achievements, are we? I think we're pretty much in agreement that both are staggering. So I've won the awards then. The, the winners of the awards have won the awards, David. <laughs> there's no, there's no winner right. amongst us. I, I know for a fact that we don't have a pole vault on this week's episode because so you haven't done any pole here, vaults. Then. I suspect we will pole vault all of those end of season awards to see how violently you uh, disagree with both of us. Probably me more so, yeah, and that's you, what you I deserve. You can bet for, that that will be happening. Uh, and I will leave you to that. But, David, I think that might be a wrap on the 2016 tennis season. It is not our very last podcast of the 2016 tennis season. We will be having just one more uh, when we'll bring you details of the 2017 tennis season and how you can get involved. That will be up in the next few days. But in terms of tennis, balls being struck, matches being won and lost, that's it, isn't it? That's it. Cracky, I'm exhausted. Where's the ice bath? And on that note, 
<laughs> that is it for the 2016 tennis season for the BNP Paribas Davis Cup final. What a final it was. And from this tennis podcast, we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. 